healthy. The whole rotation stayed healthy, which <laughs> who knew who expected that? Playing every game, 26 straight games he's played. And he's not worn down. He's still producing is really, really. Maybe they could take the train. I'm going to do that Just whole. Wave at them as the car goes by. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slow down the train at all the stations, have people gather. That, that'd be fun. And welcome to episode number 283 of Artificial Turf Wars, where our magic number is down to one. Last podcast of the regular season for 2023. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as always, by the chipper Joshua Housem. How you doing, Josh? I'm good. I'm chipper, apparently. Today? Maybe? Um, <laughs> for now. <laughs> because uh, as this as this you know week has gone on, we have discovered a lot about the Blue Jays. Uh, we have discovered that they they could play the Rays at the Trop in a solid and entertaining fashion, and then they can come home and take two games off against the Yankees. <laughs> uh, but in all that, we saw Chris Bassett finish his season strong, uh, hit a milestone. Uh, we saw uh, Kevin Gaussman just reinforce his brand by looking great, getting no run support whatsoever. Um, things that are important to see, uh, Matt Chapman is hitting for some power here as the season winds down. Uh, Brandon Belt has come back and is hitting right up near the top of the lineup. His timing, not the worry that a lot of people were uh, were having, um, which is good because Brandon Belt wants you to be noisy. Um, the lineup's kind of shuffled around. But we're not, we're not, you know, comfortable. We're we're recording this before the second last game of the season, and the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. But there is so much between all of the divisions and wild card spots that could happen today and tomorrow that it's not it's not a happy place as we were. Um, we have a question from you. Uh, we have a gold star for Miguel Rojas of the Dodgers, which was just uh, a hilarious bit of of uh, mic'd up while talking to the boothness uh and um we have a we actually have a do-over for stadium ops which is like a like a pending do-over that we just we should probably put up every time for roger center stadium ops because they don't apparently don't read any social media about how how uh how much they interrupt the flow of things at their own stadium yeah but let us not talk about stadium ops yet let's talk about where the jays are at um they took two or three in the House of Horrors, as it were. That's that's pretty decent. Yes, they did, which was nice. Um, they <laughs> it was a couple of interesting games because in the in the first one they were doing kind of what they had been doing for a while there. <laughs> it's just like you know Tyler Glass now, very good pitcher. Everybody agrees with that. Did absolutely nothing against Glass now until the sixth inning when he decided to lose the zone. <laughs> they love their bases loaded walks and hit by pitches, which they did in that game. But the difference, well, I shouldn't say the difference, similar to what they did in New York, they took advantage of the wildness of the starting pitcher. They actually got a couple hits and then they added on again. And that's been the key thing that's really driven them of late is that when they get a lead late in a game they've been adding on to it which takes a lot of the stress out from the late game bullpen 
Yeah, it's it's been key. And and it's really rare to see a raised team in Tropicana Field melt down late because because the Rays for forever and ever have been built on um the effectiveness of guys who the, the Rays have identified as not being as fringy as they look on paper being locked down late in the game. But they're they that last series just did not happen for them. The Jays kept coming on in the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, and then that, like you said, that that means the tension level goes down for this very overstressed bullpen, which is an excellent bullpen. But man, we'll talk about Jordan Romano later. But there has to be the feeling that a couple of days of using lower leverage relievers to finish a game that you're ahead in is almost necessary at this point. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we'll get to the more recent games, but they've done it a couple times recently, and. You know, in, you know, in that game, it was, I think it was, uh, th- that last inning was single, single, walk, 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 hit by pitch. <laughs> See exactly what happened against the, against the Yankees. But uh, then the next game, too, um, they had lost because Romano blew the game, blew the save, but they were down 5 nothing going into the sixth. And they came back to actually take the lead, which is not something they've done much of at all this year. I think it's, they have two wins when they trailed by three runs, which is really bad. Um, yeah, I mean, this is not a great hitting team. It, it, it was, you know, we, we were we were hoping up into the end of July that they would reveal themselves to be at least an average hitting team, and they just aren't. They're they're not they're not great at hitting, and they're but, not great at clutch hitting. But, but it doesn't matter that. if you're going to win ninety games, right? Yeah, but also, but but the interesting thing was that they did. Right, they they were down four nothing, and they took the five nothing, and they took the lead six five. Romano blew the save and got the loss. We talked about this on the last podcast, I, I believe. No, maybe we didn't. Maybe I just talked about it on Twitter. I, I can't remember, but <laughs> uh, we we, no. did, we we have talked about you know I, no, it was just on Twitter. But yeah, blown saves happen. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. J- Jordan Romano is is one of the best in baseball at converting his his save opportunities into saves. Yeah. So again, not not no blame to Romano for this. Like it happens. But still, they fought back to actually take the lead, and they did it against you know, the Tampa bullpen. Again, helped by Pete Fairbanks walking three batters in a row. <laughs> but the first four runs they scored were not helped by walks. They were actually just getting hits. So at least there were some there were some encouraging signs in that series. And then obviously they won the final game of the series, nine to five, which is, you know, just an offensive explosion. They, you know, they gave up two in the first, fall back with five in the second, and then just kept adding as the game went on. Um, a reminder that this is the first year I think ever that the Blue Jays have scored more than eight runs twice at Tropicana Field. Um, despite all of their offensive struggles there, finally they've sort of figured out whatever it is you have to do to score runs at Tropicana with with some consistency. Huh. I don't think I knew that stat. They never score more than seven at Tropicana. Like if you go back in history, it's just like I've clicked through pages of baseball reference going, really? <laughs> really? It's been this long? Um, also, shout out to George Springer for an inside the park home run, I believe, on his birthday. Oh, yes, he did. That's right. That was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> nothing. Nothing looks so tired as a baseball player after an inside the park home run. <laughs> uh, oh man, it's more running than they are used to. Well, and there's no, uh, you know, a, a baseball player who just stole two bases 
might look tired, but he looks tired because he was expecting to have to do that. <laughs> after, after like a triple or a home run, it's like, oh my goodness. But also, even if he's still two bases, he gets to stop in between, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. So that that 90 feet times four is not not the plan. Um, there's been a lot of been a lot of outfield play where I feel like uh, the Blue Jays should be extra thankful for the presence of Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer and George Springer. All in all, um, where the opponent has failed miserably, um, which I suppose leads us into, uh, you know, we should talk about the Yankees series, where the Blue Jays, there's a bit of a, a reminder about how it can fall apart for the Blue Jays against uh, Michael King and Garrett Cole. Nothing. Literally nothing. That's that's really been the worry with this offense as they <clears throat> potentially head into the postseason is that especially lately, but generally on this season, if they faced a top end starter, they have not done anything. And you're going to see a few of those when you get to the postseason, if you get there now. If they face the twins, for example, they have hit Pablo Lopez, right? So it's not like they had. They haven't done any damage, but Glass now shut them down until he lost the zone. Um, you know, it, it's it's a worry. And then, like you said, King and Cole for the second time in two weeks just completely shut them down. Yeah, um, and, and it it's not it's uh, guarantee either way. Maybe the guy has their number. You know, maybe the team that they're facing has got this figured out and and is executing on that particular night and it's a big problem but maybe it's not right i could have egg on my face and they could just they could just stomp all over the starter like seattle stomped on alec manoa last year in game one when everyone was just stunned that four runs you know in whatever the first two innings um but it does feel kind of ominous that the blue jays victories this year have often come against teams that they absolutely should be right. They, they have, they have just pounded on the bottom of the barrel teams and back end starters and the back end starters do not appear in the playoffs. They, they, they are not going to get a soft touch, you know, two or three days in a row. So I don't know how you solve that problem at this point, other than you put Kevin Gaussman up there and hope he gives up zero runs. Like I believe he did against the Yankees. I don't think he allowed anything. He just didn't get any support. Yeah, that is what happened. Um, it's yeah, and then they gave up the, the the lead in the ninth inning. But it's, I mean, they they did beat the Rays, right? They was they won a series at the Trop against Tampa when Tampa was not doing what they did in the opener of this most recent series, where they just decided to you know get everybody <laughs> an inning and because you know, they're in, right? They don't, yeah, they're just trying to. So they can do it. Right. And throughout the season, they did play Baltimore. Like you look at the record against Baltimore, it's bad, but those games were all close. So it's very possible for them to win, especially if they hit just a little bit, which we're going to get to some of the guys hitting a little better. Um, but at the same time, it is going to be tough and the pitching is still going to have to carry them. It just it's hard to expect anything different at this point. Yeah. And the pitching that's going to carry them is uh as noted, Kevin Gaussman, Chris Bassett, shockingly, Yusei Kikuchi continues to be excellent in shorter stints. 
Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think you're expecting Kikuchi to get seven innings in a playoff game, but uh, he certainly hasn't hurt his, his comeback. I don't know what he's coming back from. Comeback player of the year um, assertions. Um, and Jose Barrios, well, Jose Barrios has, I think, been more up and down lately, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he had a bad start, but he, he's been mostly fine. So you you have a, a great problem on the pitching side of how do you pick three of those guys to take you into that short series. Um, but you are also maybe asking one of those guys to be basically perfect. Well, you're hoping that they can get a little more, right? But yeah, that's probably what it's going to be. And that's just the way it's been. So uh, the Chris Bassett, 200 innings. Yeah. I, I don't think I was expecting that at the beginning of the year. I didn't know well, that much about Chris Bassett, but it's well, pretty cool. He was a guy who could throw, he, he, who would take take the ball and go get, probably give you about 180 innings. I mean, that's what we said when they signed him, but he's never gone to 200. This is the first time his career he's gotten over 185. Which is, a healthy season is, <laughs> is a beautiful thing from a starting pitcher, right? Yeah, for sure. And... You know, the thing with Bassett, the re part of the reason that he's been able to get to this innings total, right, it's not just that he stayed healthy. The whole rotation stayed healthy, which <laughs> who knew, who expected that? Um, thank God that it happened, by the way. Um, yep. We'll get to that. I'll, I'll discuss that. That'll be more my final thought. We'll get to that a little deeper. But it's not so much just that he was able to stay healthy, but that when he was effective, as we've talked about, he was just awesome to the point where you didn't have where he could go six seven eight innings because he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts <clears throat> but he gets a lot of quick outs a lot of balls in play and then that allows him to go six seven eight innings yeah he's, he's the most efficient pitcher on the blue jays starting staff yeah and you know in the end this was his ninth game where he gave up zero runs and went at least six innings and you know that was that tied a blue jays record with roger clemens he didn't end up leading baseball because blake snell just went off in the national league and ended <laughs> up with 10 um and gossman finished second in the al with eight but still nine is tremendous i mean you're talking about over a th over a quarter of your starts where you're giving up zero runs and going into the sixth or rather getting through six so it's just like, it's just a credit to Chris Bassett. I mean, that's how you get to 200 innings, right? I mean, he also had six games where he threw seven shutout innings. So, which tied for Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez for the Major League lead. So just a tremendous, tremendous season from Chris Bassett. Yeah. And then despite the real weirdness of when he was off, he was so far off. Mm -hmm. His ERA would look so much better if his poor outings were... You know, I gave up four runs in four innings, not not seven in two. <laughs> it's very, very strange. So again, when it's working for Chris Bassett this year, it's been working amazingly. And and yeah, every so often he absolutely has not had it. But it's been so far, uh, few and far between that uh, you know you feel confident about him now. Every time he goes out on the mound, that he's he's gonna he's got it. You know, he's got it figured out. You you hope. Um. How many strikeouts? By the way, before we, oh, sorry, what were we, are you still like talking about Bassett? I thought you were going to No, no, Gaussman. I was going to ask how many strikeouts Gaussman ended with. Before we get to that, we did have a question at one point 
way, way back in the season where we asked who would who would end up with the lowest ERA among Kikuchi, Barrios, and Bassett? We have an answer. It is, by a very razor-thin margin, Chris Bassett, <laughs> 3.60 ERA. Uh, did we think that all three of those guys would end up with an ERA under four when that question was asked? I'm going to say... I think we... I actually think we did, considering we this this followed our discussion of of Kikuchi, where we were saying we all thought he was going to have a good year, right? And I you know this yeah. is like I was asked if I how low his ERA could get, and I said three six is just I didn't <laughs> he didn't get there, but um, he got pretty close. <laughs> he did. He ended up in the three eights, which is pretty good. Um, but I think we all believed Barrios would get under four. Yes, and then. If Bassett was in that discussion, we'd have to believe he would too. So I think the answer to that question is yes, we did all think they would because we all picked a different answer, right? Yeah, yeah, that was so, uh, that was the most fun part. Was like, ah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, just the the middle part of the rotation before we get to the ace has just been so rock solid all season long that it allowed them to survive this weaker offense. Yeah, and I think when you're you're talking about Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi largely, and you're you know. You're talking about these guys as being effective and reliable and going deep into games and racking up innings or, you know, getting lots of strikeouts and minimizing damage like Kikuchi does. And then you go, oh, but actually none of those guys are the ace. The ace is Kevin Gaussman. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> different, different perspective. If those are your two, three, four guys, your one guy must be a cut above. And the way he, he minimizes base runners and, uh, and action against him is is a sight to behold. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he walked a few more batters this year than he did last year, but still a very healthy, good walk rate. And he led the league in strikeouts. He finished with 237, which is where you were going with that question before. Yeah. Career uh, high for him. And it's his third straight season now of being a top of the line number one starting pitcher yeah even after his first season in san francisco where you're sorry first great season in san francisco when he hit the free agency and the jays got him for five years 110 105 million dollars you don't get kevin gossman for that now oh no <laughs> no they got like a the 30 to 50 percent discount on kevin gossman yeah that guy's a 30 Kevin Gossman is the 30-plus million-dollar-year pitcher if he hits free agency with this resume. Obviously, he's a couple years older now, so it's not perfect. But, yeah, that, I mean, they, the Jays got a tremendous discount because he'd only done it once. He's now done it three times. He is a true ace. And, yeah, he stepped it up this year. He got more innings than last year. He stayed mostly healthy. Um, you know, last year he only walked 28 batters, which was insane. This year, still only 55 walks and 185 innings and 237 strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, if you're striking out 237 guys, it, walking 50 is not, not the end of the world. You know, it's, it's, no, it, it's not an outlier number. Especially when you only give up 19 home runs in 185 innings, right? You're, you keep the ball in the park. And you strike guys out, and you still mostly limit walks. You're going to be good. And it, in addition to that, people don't get a lot of hits off him because his stuff moves like crazy. He just didn't get any run support, so he's only twelve and nine. Yeah, someday, someday, Kevin Gaussman will have good batted ball luck and a bit of run support, and he will win like twenty-one games, five games. <laughs> yeah, and he will be in discussion for Cy Young. But that that day did not come this year. No, uh, he's in the discussion this year. Garrett Cole, 
unfortunately, the Jays helped Garrett Cole beat him for it <laughs> by just yeah. doing nothing against Cole all year. But Gossman's going to finish second. Yeah, which is awesome, to say the least. Which is actually, that will give, that will mean that four years in a row, the Blue Jays have had a top three Cy Young finisher. Because Ryu came second in 2020, Ray won it in 2021, and Manoa came third last year. Yeah, talk about uh, talk about things I would not expect from the Blue Jays. Um, after after years and years of things not going so well in the in the starting pitching department. Mm-hmm. All right, from starting pitching to um, from starting pitching to the offense. Um, the offense be coming back into shape. Um, Matt Chapman has been, I think subpar is an understatement. It looks like finally, maybe he's, he's going to hit for enough power to justify his everyday spot in the lineup as we go into the most important few games of the season. Yeah. I mean, we hope so. It's too, he's got home runs in back-to-back games and you know, we, you never really know what to expect with Matt Chapman because his, he, like, you'll see him just swing and miss at meatballs, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the home runs he hit were off Luke Weaver and Erasmo Ramirez, which, again, not exactly the top-of-the-line guys, but he still did it. He hit one to the opposite field and one to dead center. You can't really complain about that production just because the pitchers weren't elite because he wasn't doing it against anybody. Yeah. Yeah, he's got doing doing nothing against anybody is is uh, is a problem. Doing something against nobody's—I don't want to call them nobodies—but against lesser pitchers is still something. It still means something's gotten dialed in. So again, it, it might only matter for three or four more games because the the playoffs can end real quick, as we've discovered with the Blue Jays uh, all too recently. Um, so if he's if he's going to be in a groove, now's the time to be in a groove. Um, mm-hmm. And then and he's batting the, eighth now, which actually also minimizes the yeah. damage that his strikeouts and pop-ups with the runners on base can do because there are going to be fewer runners on base if you're batting eighth. Because the return of Brandon Belt is um is means he's batting second. I mean, I'm not against it, but it is kind of funny. Well, honestly, I think the Jays wanted him to hit second when the season started. It was either second or fourth, but I think they wanted. Bo and Vlad in the three four spot, and I, I mean, Belt just makes sense as a two hitter because, yeah, I mean, look, he, only against right handed pitching, right? He's not he's not going to play yeah. against lefties this year. It's just, it's, he hasn't been, and he's not going to. But you know, this is a guy who has a three seventy one, or well, actually, the, the, for some reason, I don't know why, but uh, baseball reference didn't update yesterday's game. He's a non base percentage over three seventy, and. He hits for just enough power to still be able to do damage. That's what you want ahead of Vlad and Bo. Yeah. Who can guys who can just really do damage. And, and you know, and if they get runners on base, they can, you know, they can they can get solo instead of the solo home run or the double that leads strands get stranded, it's a double that scores a run. Exactly. Yeah. Um, other changes to the lineup that have uh, John Schneider has, has settled in on here as the season closes? Yeah, I mean, it's totally different looking now. 
It took forever, but Varsho is now hitting nine and Kiermaier's hitting seven. <laughs> Biggio is in the five spot. Um, he's, it's he's going been good. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that was me just trying to okay. play the right right spot in no, my it's, head. It's, um, it sounded like you're being being throwing shade. <laughs> no, I know, I know, it sounded like that, but no, he's but he's totally earned it. I mean, he made a swing change, you know, with to get more level playing in his swing, which we talked about in the last episode, and it's working, right? He's getting a lot of more singles as opposed to pop ups and fly balls and the occasional home run. But yeah, so the lineup is now Springer Belt. This is against righties because we haven't seen what they do against a lefty, and they're not going to see a lefty starter in a while, by the way, for a while, by the way. So it's Springer, Belt, Vlad, Bo, Biggio, Kirk, Kiermeyer, Chapman, Varsho, and Kirk. So Kirk has played every single game since Danny Jensen got hurt. He hasn't started them all at catcher, but he has appeared in all of them. During that time, He's still not hitting for high batting average, 224, but his on-base percentage is 342, and his slugging is 403. More reps are maybe helping that walk rate climb back up the way it used to be, which, again, we talked about previously, but he did, he's done it a couple times since. He hit another home run. Maybe he just needed to play a little more. Yeah, um, maybe. But, but uh, who knows? But either way, the fact that he's been playing every game, 26 straight games he's played, and he's not worn down. He's still producing is really, really key. Yeah, his best seasons came when he was the primary DH and the sometimes catcher, right? Which it means he's seeing pitches every day. Maybe it's an Alejandro Kirk. Maybe it's what he prefers. I mean, everybody does do better when they're getting regular at-bats. That's a universal truth of baseball. Mm-hmm. But he did, for him, it's been pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so here we are facing the second last game of the season um the blue jays are still in a playoff spot they are one game up on the whoever is it seattle at the moment they're two games up on seattle and one game up on houston but seattle holds the tiebreaker oh right because seattle wasn't playing yes yeah, sorry seattle was playing houston the first series but now seattle's playing texas yeah. just to make everything complicated because that puts every every time seattle wins it means that Houston and Texas, which are two different teams, um, could flip-flop for the division lead? Yeah, okay. So this is, now that we're down to two games left for everybody, it has actually crystallized pretty clearly what has to happen. Seattle has to lose a game, the Blue Jays have to win a game, or Houston has to lose two games. One of those three things happens, the Blue Jays are in. None right. of those three, three, three things happen. They are out. Makes sense. It's really simple. <laughs> the reason that they, that the, even though they have the tiebreaker over Houston, the problem is that the only way that that matters for postseason seating is if they're in a four-way tie because they can't be in a three-way tie with them. And if there's a four-way tie, the Jays are out. <laughs> so... The, the Houston tiebreaker will only matter for seeding. If the Jays and Houston end up with the same record and they're both in, the Jays will get the second wild card. It, it is interesting to think after the being swept by that Texas team, just, just that Texas offense at the time was devastating. It looked like the Blue Jays were, were you know, limp, uh, kind of limping into the end of the season. 
and then they turned around uh they swept a poor team while texas wandered off to cleveland's uh meat grinder pitching staff and got swept themselves and then a lot of other things broke the jays way uh over over the course of the next week and a half yeah and the astros lost was it like six of nine to to oakland and kansas city um yeah kansas uh, city swept them like (laughs) yeah and then texas swept seattle uh it was it was bizarre how much luck the jays got how much help the jays got the baseball gods were wanted chaos (laughs) obviously in the final week of the season yeah, uh, someone someone did the odds of, of how many of those games, and I, it might have been James and T.O. again, but it was like a 0.48% for the number of things that went the Blue Jays' way to help them at that particular time in the standing. It was like just a surreal uh, chance of all of those things going. So the fact that the last like three games, uh, Seattle has come come into form and been winning what they need to keep their hopes alive seems less surprising given how badly it went in the lead up to all of that. Yeah. I mean, it would be insane though, if it was like Seattle goes into Texas and gets swept and then goes, then, then Texas comes into Seattle and gets swept in a four gamer. <laughs> that would be, and it's on the table. I mean, that would be fitting. I honestly, I look at, so t- to me, Texas had to win that first game. They had Mon- Jordan Montgomery, their best pitcher right now pitching, and they had a lead going into the ninth and they blew it. Lost yesterday. Today, they're using an opener against Luis Castillo, who's probably going to finish third in the Cy Young voting. And then it comes down to Sunday. So the Jays just need to win. (laughs) I'm not counting on Seattle losing a game. I'm not counting on Houston losing two. The Jays need to win. Yeah. Win win one of two against Tampa, who... uh, And ideally win the first one. Obviously, you want a day off for everybody if you can get it before the playoffs, right? You want a no pressure game. for Kevin Gaussman. You want Gaussman not to have to pitch on Sunday. Because then he can pitch in game one of the playoffs. Yes. What a crazy, what a crazy idea. Um, yeah, it, it is strange how, how, like you said, the baseball gods wanted chaos. Because if the Blue Jays had won one of those Texas games out of the four, the conversation would already be over by the time we're recording it. <laughs> or if they'd not blown one of the three leads they blew to Seattle earlier in the season, right? Yeah. They would have clinched on Friday. Yeah. Would have been simple. But again, I always feel better about a team when I can point and say, you know, okay, well, you're in control of your own destiny here. You're up by a game. All you have to do is win a game. Yeah. You're good to go. You just have two shots. Yeah. To do it themselves. To win a game. Against a team that is not going to play their A guys for the next two days. Uh, so do it today. Keep it simple, for one. <laughs> They're not going to keep it simple, Josh. No. There's going to be nails bitten somewhere. So, any other current events we should cover before we move on to questions? Um, I don't think so. Uh, well, there's, we don't know. The Jays might make a roster move before this last game to get Bowden Francis up in case Ryu needs some innings covered. Ryu got hit pretty hard by Tampa last game. And Tampa does really do damage against left-handed starters. They hit Kikuchi both times. Kikuchi escaped trouble a bit in in the Friday start, the day after recording, the day before recording this, rather. Uh, you give up three through five, but he wasn't sharp. 
because they just their their righties hit lefties really well. So the problem is that Jay Jackson can't get sent down again. So they might have to release Jay Jackson to call up Bowden Francis. And if that happens, Jay Jackson, we really enjoyed having you on the team. It was really fun to watch you pitch. Yeah. Yeah. What a wild ride from getting released earlier in the season and coming back because it was a place he wanted to be and and everything else. It it, it and seeing him exceed his potential for a while and then the whole thing with him having a, a you know his wife having a premature child and, and having to go on the, the the leave list to to take care of his kid what a wild season for jay jackson so it would be really nice if he could if he could make that roster um you know it, it feels like he deserves it in a, in a certain way but that is where we're at uh, with the team current status. Uh, we're going to come back with your questions about this team. Uh, and then we have, of course, a do-over and a gold star. As mentioned, we will be right back with those things after this. And we are back. It is our glorious return for part two of the podcast. Uh, the part after that little musical break. And we begin with questions from our listeners, our favorite people in the whole entire baseball universe. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right. Uh, our first question, uh, questions, we're going we're gonna to put them together. We have uh, Mike at GoSendsGo asking, who gets left off the wildcard roster? Personally, I... I think you probably leave Schneider off and keep Espinal and Eden, unless you only take 12 pitchers. Uh, and uh, Andrew Rushpler uh, at A. Rushpler asks, how should this bullpen be set up and used in the playoffs to be most effective? Um, yeah, this is, these are good questions. Um, Schneider was, what, 0 for 30 at one point? Over 31 now? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, in, he's in a nice cold slump. I did um, talk about I, how hard the regression was going to have to come for a guy who was, I think his batting average on balls in play was about 500 at one point. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he's not, he was never as good as his peak and he's not as bad as this, right? That's just how baseball goes. But yep. I think he needs to still be on the roster. I think that Mike hit it with the part he put in the parentheses there, unless you only take 12 pitchers. I think they should only take 12 pitchers. They don't need five starters. Ryu is not going to be on a wild card roster if they get there. We have to keep that caveat there because they're not in yet. <clears throat> so with Kikuchi going to the pen, you have three starters. You don't need 10 relievers. <laughs> it's just you don't. <clears throat> no, there's not that many innings in three games to worry about 10 relievers. Right. So I say they just take nine relievers, which is still a ton for three games. And they and then you you keep Schneider just to pinch hit against a tough lefty reliever like if Jake Diekman for the for the for the Rays comes in or oh, I forget that lefty the the Rays Tealbar Caleb Tealbar if they come in and it's you know Kevin Kiermaier's up or Belt or something like that and you want to pinch hit I think that he's still the best option um, and that's for how the bullpen should be set up it's basically the guys that they're using now right. right. And I then, think I think this maybe is the Jordan Romano question, where where things have not been locked down by Jordan Romano consistently of late. Is is that because Jordan Romano's not at a hundred percent? There was the fingernail issue, um, but also just generally, 
yeah his so, back issue you know yeah th- so this is this will be the interesting thing with romano because since coming off the injured list he hasn't been great I mean, especially in the month of september he's given up six runs six earned runs in 11 innings and that's you know that's just not great uh i think they need to get him into a game in this in these last two no matter what even if they blow tampa out in both romano has to finish one just to see what he's doing because his velocity was down you know and then that game where he gave the home run to wells in new york against new york austin wells um in toronto against new york his first two fastballs, the fastball that Gleyber Torres hit was 96, and the one that Wells hit out was 94.7. Romano isn't good when he's throwing at that speed. He has to be in the 97-plus range, which allows his fastball to be used. Otherwise, he's just a slider pitcher. So he needs to get in another game and just see if the velocity's there. Otherwise, they may have to adjust something. And, and I think this would be a much tougher, how, how should I put it, be a real pickle. If they had not traded for Jordan Hicks. Yeah. And look, like I, I'm saying that Romano hasn't been great. He he hasn't. But he still, during that time frame, which I, I said September, right? But even if, you, even if you just go back to since he started giving up runs, he's still getting a ton of strikeouts. In his, he's got 13 in his last 10 innings. So he's still missing bats. So if he can just be... Even if just like these last few days of rest have helped him and he can get a little more velocity, I think he's still your closer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and and if if it turns out he comes in and you find out he is only topping out at 95, and no matter what he tries at the moment because of whatever condition he's in, I think you can leave him in the bullpen, but I think you know that Jordan Hicks is a viable option at this point um, when the game is on the line. I, I know, you know, from a person... Uh, a, the personnel standpoint, that might not fly too well, but um, that's why there's that's why you traded for Jordan Hicks because you needed yeah. a guy who could fill in his closer if, if things went south. But I mean, look at teams in the postseason. This is what they do. The Dodgers went away from Kenley Jansen. They used Julio Urias as their closer when they won the World Series. The Astros were using Lance McCullers Jr. and and Charlie Morton to close out their wins instead of Ken Giles and whoever the heck was their closer the other time. So whatever works, it happens. Yeah, in the postseason, ego's got to go out the window. Um, but the interesting thing will be what they do with the last spot. If they go with nine, as we said, one of whom is Kikuchi, I think Cabrera shouldn't be on the roster. I think they should go with Francis or Jackson for the last spot. Mm-hmm. You just don't need three lefties, I don't think. No, probably not. Since you Again, we've seen Yusei Kikuchi is an effective lefty out of the bullpen. He's, he's not in there to, to mop up. He's in there because he can tack on a couple extra miles an hour, and he strikes a lot of people out, even as a starter. Do you say yep. Kikuchi strikes, I'm sure, just as many people, if not more, out as a reliever? For sure. All right. Uh, bored and Lazy at uh, Bundler MCD says, a Vlad extension is probably impossible, as he'd be selling low. What sort of extension would you offer, and would he accept? I don't I know, know what first. he'd accept. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't what know what accept. I'd offer. Um, at this point... Vlad is a bit of a question mark that I did not ever think we'd get to the question mark status because he spent two years after an MVP caliber season. And again, he should not have won that MVP, but in other years, maybe he would have. Um, if being just a guy. And it's like, what is going on that, that, you know, all of that talent, the exit velocity is there, the 
the plate discipline when he when he wants it to be there, like when he's focused is there, but yet the results have not been there in terms of like perennial all-star numbers. And I am you know, you you put him up against uh a lot of the other sort of superstars that he he came up with. I mean, Tatis Jr. hasn't had the greatest season, but um, Acuna Jr. And you're Soto. like, Soto. And you're like, something something isn't happening. I feel like I would still extend him because I don't know how you replace... If, if he even has any kind of bounce back, I don't know how you replace that guy at first base, right? Yeah, I mean, you could, but not for cheap. Yeah. But... I mean, like, if you can just, if even if you know that Vlad's going to give you what he gave you in 2022 every year, 30 plus bombs, you know, an LPS over 800, that would be fine. But he's not doing that right now, so I don't, I don't know what you could possibly offer him that he, that would make sense. It, it's, it's got to be really, really hard. Yeah, and hard for him too because he obviously thinks he's the guy who he was in in 2021 and 2022. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, if I were him, I'd think that too. So we didn't answer your question. Sorry. <laughs> we don't know. We don't have one. It's too hard to, too hard to answer. It yeah. happens sometimes. <clears throat> Blue Jays rat girl at Ellie Ellie Hart. Hey, back on Twitter for at least five minutes enough, long enough to uh, uh, ask us a question. Uh, which Blue Jay called on Joe Boo to make opposing pitchers lose all control and repeatedly walk mm-hmm. hit by pitch and wild pitch in, in runs? Um, hmm. I feels like Brandon Belt would do it. That was my answer, too. <laughs> I mean, he's the right age. Right, because yep. you know, yep. Major League came out in 1989, and he's just got that quirkiness to him. It's it's definitely Brian Bell. Yeah, I mean, he's the MVP, and it's because he's, <laughs> he's invoking a Joe Boo uh, to be that way. Um, we have a question from Balher, which I think cuts to some really important stuff we should be thinking about. Haven't been discussing how many hours is your sleep record? He says mine is 16. I don't know, <laughs> not 16. I don't think. Like in a row or out of out of twenty four, it's in a row. It's got to be. I feel like I got sick one time, and it wasn't in a row, but it was certainly between, like, like getting up, like going to bed, uh, and and going to bed the following night. I I think I was I was in the range of of seventeen or eighteen. Like I literally think I only spent three or four hours sitting on a couch having a bowl of soup and then going right back to bed. But in a row, probably not more than 13 and a half. No, nowhere near Kikuchi levels with any regularity. <laughs> Which, by the way, it seems like he was not joking, except that it was more specifically just on the nights of his starts, he got 13 to 14 hours of sleep. Right. Anyway, the- yeah, I, yeah, mine is probably somewhere in the 12 range. I mean, credit to us because I have friends who are like claim that they cannot get more than six or seven hours of sleep, and I'm like, oh, that's I'm I'm sad for you because sleep is great. Yeah, it is. Great sleep's fun. Uh, and our final well, question. Not fun. It's just sleep, but it's useful. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. Final question from Minor Leaguer. Minor underscore Leaguer. Um, should the Blue Jays World Series parade be just in Toronto, or should they march down the entire Trans Canada Highway? <laughs> they are the toronto blue jays screw this nation's team crap i can tell the toronto resident who is on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i found him people <laughs> get the tar and feathers i have found the toronto resident um 
Uh, I mean, I feel like the logistics and time that it would take, you might, you might get like, like injuries and stuff from a full Trans Canada Highway trip. So, well, no, but they're in they're in cars, right? I mean, the the truckers were able to go across the country, right, to just to protest nonsense in Ottawa. The Jays could do it. Yeah, I just, you know, I feel like putting putting people like Bo and belt and and uh even romano through through you know several days worth of sleeping overnight just to just to wave at people <laughs> season's uh, over who cares Belt's yeah. retiring. yeah you got you got six months to figure that out okay okay yeah then you're right it's it's definitely a a, a full cross canada trans canada highway maybe they could take the train maybe they do that just whole wave at them as the car goes by <laughs> yeah exactly slow down the train at all the stations have people gathered that, that'd be fun Perfect. um it seems very old-timey World Series for them to do a train tour of Canada. All right. I insist uh, on those amphibious buses that they use, <laughs> they, the, 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 the sightseeing lines, and they should just go around in waterways. I did not think I would hear the words amphibious buses today, Josh. Thank you <laughs> so much. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what? We're going to move on from questions because I think that what 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 more could we possibly add there? We're gonna go to a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, let's take a moment on the Rogers broadcast with a a mic'd up Miguel Rojas uh, shortstop. Uh, you know, talking a little bit about his season and then being very rudely interrupted uh, by the well, Rogers broadcast. Sorry, uh, Dodgers. Ah. <laughs> meant to say Dutch. Uh being very rudely interrupted um, by baseball. And I've been like using his bus and his gets here and I don't think it's been a, a surprise that uh, as soon as I start. Sorry guys, need to make this play real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're comfortable. Thank you, thank you. Well, not that comfortable. It's the first time doing this, but uh, uh, I have to make the play for Lynn. <laughs> I have to make the play, uh, otherwise he's going to be mad at me. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful. It did... It, it, yeah, go ahead. No, no go ahead. Finish it, your thought there. It reminds me of the Domingo Ayala videos from ages ago, whereas I got I to gotta make this play real quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a sec. <laughs> His whole inflection and everything was perfect. Yeah, it, it was better than the Mookie Betts one because one, this is a regular season game, and two, he was actually making a play in the middle of it instead of just running down a ball. Yeah, but this stuff's awesome. I love this. I love the genuine apology too. <laughs> yeah, like oh man, I was I was in the middle of explaining something to you guys, and then and then the ball was hit to me. God, I I, I feel I feel so so much like I'm disrespecting you by by fielding a grounder and throwing it to first base. <laughs> Uh, the fact that the announcers burst out laughing was perfect too. Like they were not yeah. expecting uh, him to continue talking while fielding the ball, <laughs> <laughs> and they and they thanked him for the apology too. Yeah. Uh, also, they're like, "Oh well, we're comfortable now." He's like, "No, I'm not comfortable. I am definitely not comfortable with whatever is going on here." <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be. It should be really weird. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, shout out um, to Rojas for uh, taking that like a champ and turning it into a moment that we can all we can all share and reminisce about. You get a gold star. Uh, it is available to you, freshly laminated from our gold star factory. Uh, if you just drop by the offices, we will uh, we'll hand it over to you. 
feel like I feel like he would if he knew it was out here. If there was just some way to tell him. <laughs> oh man. Um, but of course we also have um, you know, a do-over, and the do-over is is uh, sounds a little like this. All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them stananks, that could be worthy of a do-over. Yeah, no kidding. Um, the utter lack of Toronto uh, or Rogers Center or Skydome Stadium Ops consciousness of the fact that the, the Blue Jays game going on down below might not respond to the same formula over and over again of sound effects was highlighted again by what, Josh? Oh, so when when Chris Bassett completed his 200th inning by striking out Aaron Judge, which was just perfect, <laughs> no better way to do that. If they'd done that and just, okay, first off, I wanted them to put up a, gra a graphic saying he got there because it was a big moment for him. Clearly, the team was managing for the moment and everybody knew it. The broadcast knew it. It's just something. Chris Bassett is, this is, has reached 200 innings for the first time in his career. They have it ready for Gossman's 200 strikeout, which he'd done twice before. So why didn't they have that? I don't know. But the, the worst part, the entire crowd rises and cheering for, for Chris Bassett as he's coming off. In, when this happened, when Marco Estrada was coming off the field in the, in the 2015 ALCS, Joe Buck, to his everlasting credit, said, we will be quiet. And just let you listen to the ovation for Marco Estrada. Whoever does the Blue Jays Stadium Ops obviously wasn't watching that game because they started <laughs> blaring. Who let the dogs out? What are they doing? Let the moment breathe, for God's sakes. Let him have the crowd noise as the only sound. Some of the greatest moments that Vin Scully ever called in baseball history. He said nothing. There's yeah. a lesson there. <laughs> not hard to learn yeah we didn't talk about by the way brandon belt's uh request for noise oh yeah um we we're going to but it, it could play in here i i can't remember i think it was uh i can't remember who it was oh, it was matt homick probably yeah matt Holmick. yeah um put a tweet it's like it's hard for the crowd to make noise but this is it was broken up by yeah. different sound effects <laughs> that the blue jays play every five seconds if that's constantly happening, the crowd isn't going to make noise because there is noise being made over them. Yeah. They, they, but also, he, to Belt's everlasting credit, because the Jays went out and got shut out two games in a row after that, he has done his part offensively to at least try to bring the excitement back. Yeah, you got to have more than three hits if you want the, the crowd to be like, let's go, boys. You really do. And, and it, it, again, they were talking last night. Um, Kevin Bishio hit a Little League home run by... Sneaking one under the glove of uh, Manuel Margot, <laughs> which, yes. by the way, if you get a chance to look at screenshots of Margot on Twitter, of how far away the ball was from him, <laughs> uh, that's absolutely worth it. Um, the crowd went crazy because it was a crazy moment and they recognized it and it you know, had a lot of excitement packed into it. So when stuff has been happening here against Tampa in this series and the Blue Jays have had lead and, and all things have been going well, yeah, the crowd is still into it. Even the crowd is, though the crowd is not, you know, uh, the sellout every night kind that we, we, we've seen in previous seasons. Um, yeah, they still know what's going on in the game. 
And when when the Blue Jays are getting shut out for 18 straight innings, it's tough to it's tough to get on your feet. Yep. All right. So uh, we've covered uh, the questions. We've covered the uh, gold star. We've covered the do over. And now I'm going to cover what I think we call the final thought. Josh, what do you have for me? Yeah, clearly none of the Blue Jays were Eddie Harris pitchers. Were Eddie Harrison drinking Joe Boo's rum that Brandon Belt put out because they have not gotten hurt all season. I mean, I'm touching wood right now because like there's still two games left. But the Blue Jays have, I mean, well, and there's also the mystery of what Alec Manoa is dealing with. But theoretically, he's not injured. Otherwise, he'd be on the injured list. Yep. They've had some minor nicks. I think they shuffled the order around once and Gossman left to start in the second inning one time because he was sore. But in general, Chris Bassett, Jose Brios, Kevin Gossman, Yusei Kikuchi, and Alec Manoa have not gone on the injured list. Hyunjin Ryu, since coming back, has made every start. They have other guys who have made starts. Trevor Richards made three starts because they sent Manoa down, and they don't, they were using a four-man rotation until Ryu and Manoa came back. But that's it. Only seven pitchers have made a start for the Blue Jays, and three of them were openers. And one, sorry, one of them was an opener. Yeah. It's incredible. I, it, it, that's, that kind of pitching health usually will get you into the postseason. Uh, again, they're not there yet, but usually they really need to address the depth better next year, though, because <laughs> you cannot count on that again. Yeah, yeah, because there, there is no other option. The reason Alec Manoa lasted for whatever four starts and the six-man rotation was because they were playing, what was it, 17 games in 17 days, and they didn't have another viable fifth starter option. Not because he was good. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I you got to sign somebody, uh, and, and you can't be signing, you know, garbage pile guys and hoping they can make a couple starts when somebody gets hurt. You, you have to have a viable sixth and probably seventh starter for emergencies who you can, you can give a, you know, a triple A contract to. Um, and those guys are harder to find, but they're not impossible and they're a hundred percent worth it, especially knowing how lucky you got this season. The chances of that repeating are so low. I mean, just basically look at this happened in 2016. In 2016, the Jays had two spot starts from Drew Hutchison. One was in the first turn through the rotation, basically. And then the only starters they used were the five they started with and then Liriano after they traded for him. It's basically the same as this year. Mm -hmm. Then the next year, they all got hurt. And the Jays had nothing. So don't let that happen again. Don't let 2024 be 2017. That's my final thought. <laughs> oh, man. Um, my final thought is, is this team is still tough to get excited about. <laughs> I want to be excited about them. Um, but I do have that looming feeling of other than where they have played the Rays here. And again, they, 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 who knows what's going to happen in the series last two games, uh, other than how well they have played the Rays when the Blue Jays have been called upon to play a team with an equal or better record. Uh, they have had all kinds of trouble against better starters, against better offenses, and other than Minnesota, I think they are bound to play a team that is, you know, has a definitively good starters and better offense than them as things break down in the playoffs. And yeah, I'm not going to get any further ahead of myself than the first round because again, we have seen the Blue Jays make the playoffs a couple times here in the last couple of years and have yet to have a victory to show for it since 2016. 
So uh, my caution still there. And it's it's not the way I want to feel on the cusp of the playoffs, but I, I can't shake it. Maybe that's a me thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to take fault in and find fault in that opinion. I mean, they haven't exactly been world beaters this year, so I'm I'm a little more optimistic than that. But I understand it. Yeah, I'm not saying I like it, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, I. Uh, that is to say, have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 on the website formerly known as Twitter. And you have been Joshua Hassam at Joshua Hassam on the website currently known as X for some inexplicable reason. Uh, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 283. And we will talk at you next week, either in the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm.